Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 22. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Others, to test him, were demanding of him a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul, and if I, by Beelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Oh, beloved, it was Shakespeare who wrote a, a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And these are the memorable words of Juliet as she shared her heart with Romeo. Their names, it seemed, was the source of their problems. And thus, she surmised that changing their names may place them in a better situation. But changing their names, she wanted to give Romeo the assurance would not change her love. By any other name, she would still be in Well, beloved, our enemy, the enemy of God, the enemy of God's people, has many names. The deceiver, the tempter, the evil one, the serpent, the father of lies, the murderer, Satan, our adversary, and as our text this morning calls him, Beelzebub. All these names, and they're even more beloved in the scriptures that describe the person and the work of the one who is widely known as the devil. And though he goes by many names, the devil by any other name is still the devil. And beloved, I want us to understand this morning, 
that the devil is serious. I know, I know we often make fun of him and give him horns and place him in a red cat suit with a long pointed tail. But in reality, beloved, he is much more sinister than that. He is much more dangerous than that. He is far more powerful than that. And though we often take him lightly, one person who didn't was Jesus. Jesus did not take him lightly. Why? Because Satan is dangerous. He is dangerous because he is stronger than we imagine. He is cleverer than we give him credit for. And he has a clear and present agenda that he is working out every day. And you say, what is that agenda? Well, beloved, Satan or the devil desires in many ways to imitate the kingdom of God in order that he might eliminate the kingdom of God. As the Bible tells us in John 10 and 10, by stealing, killing, and destroying the creation of God. This is his design. And this has been his design from the very beginning. He desires to pawn himself off as a friend of creation, offering an enlightened understanding of life, offering a better view of humanity, but only with the ultimate desire to deceive and to undermine and disrupt life and crush any hope of humanity. This is what the serpent did in the garden to Adam and Eve. This is what the enemy continues to do today. Satan's design is to steal what God gave. His design is to kill what God created. His hope is to destroy what God made. This is why, beloved, it is important for us to understand the person and the work of Jesus Christ. As the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, that Jesus came into the world to destroy the works of Satan. It is important to understand the works of Satan, so that you can better understand what Jesus came to do 
Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. He came not to oppose the work of Satan, not just oppose it, not just to give people options. He came to destroy it. Jesus came to take back what the devil stole. Jesus came to give life to what the devil had been trying to kill. Jesus came to reclaim what the devil has tried to destroy. Jesus came to destroy the kingdom of Satan. And that's important to understand that Jesus came to destroy the kingdom of the devil because it's important to understand that the devil has a kingdom. Okay? The devil has a kingdom. It is a kingdom that is built on lies, the kingdom that is built on murder, the kingdom that is built on deceit. His kingdom, however, his kingdom, however, like every other kingdom of this world, beloved, is going to be destroyed. It is going to be destroyed. It will be torn down. That's how it is. We used to sing that. We don't sing that anymore, but we used to sing that. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. Why? Because you've been building your kingdom all over this land. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. And we used to say the preachers are going to preach your kingdom down. The deacons are going to serve your kingdom down. The mothers are going to groan your kingdom down. Well, beloved, Satan's kingdom is coming down. But it won't be by the preachers. It will not come down because of the deacons. It will not be the mothers who take down the kingdom of Satan. Satan's kingdom is coming down by the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to tear down the kingdom of Beelzebub, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of the devil. He came to cast the devil out. And not only just cast him out, beloved, but to make an open and public statement concerning his power, his glory in the kingdom of God. And that's what we have in our text this morning. All that I've been saying, this is what we have in the text this morning. We have in our text this brief account of a miracle, an exorcism. And it's a real brief one. It's a real brief one. The Bible says real briefly in verse 14 of chapter 11 of Luke 
There was a man who was mute, who was unable to speak. He was speechless. Perhaps he was tongueless. And the Bible says that he was in this way, according to the text, because he was possessed. He was possessed by a, quote-unquote, mute demon. Then the Bible says, real quickly, that Jesus cast the demon out of the man, and immediately he began to speak to everyone's amazement. That's all we have. That's all we're told about the miracle. That's all we know about the man. We don't know his name. We don't know where he came from. We don't know how long he's been mute. That's all we know, but that's the point. Because the point here this morning in this text, beloved, is not the man. The point of the text is not the miracle. The point of the text is not the sign. What the Bible is communicating to us in this account of Jesus and this exorcism, what it is pointing to is not the exorcism itself, but the one who performed the exorcism. It is not the sign itself, but the one to whom the sign is pointing, namely Jesus. And the revelation of his power and his kingdom in light of the kingdom of darkness. The revelation of Satan's agenda as it is being overcome by Christ's agenda. The revelation of Satan's kingdom as it is being torn down and the revelation of the kingdom of God. Here, here is a public display, beloved, of this ongoing conflict between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And this morning, this morning, we are reminded that Jesus didn't come just to save us from our sins. He didn't come just to rescue us from darkness. Jesus came to tear down the kingdom of the devil. Came down to destroy the works of Satan, came down to render impotent the prince of the demons, Beelzebub himself. And Jesus, we are reminded in this text that Jesus had what was needed to tear down this kingdom. 
Jesus had the right stuff. He had the right stuff because he has the right power and he is the right person. He has the right power and he is that right person. He has that right power. That's what the text reminds us. For the Bible tells us that after Jesus had performed this miracle, he encountered two groups of people. Those who thought the miracle was a trick, and they wanted to see more. You see that in the text? They were amazed. There were those who saw this miracle, and they were fascinated. They were fascinated like children at a magic show. Like I get fascinated when I watch the Carbonaro effect. Y'all know anything about that? Like my children used to get fascinated when I used to do magic tricks. Y'all didn't know I could do magic tricks. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. They were fascinated like kids at a magic show. As if Jesus was some street magician. Like David Blaine or Chris Angel or somebody. They were stumped. They were stumped. They saw what he did. And they know what they saw. But perceiving it as some little trick, you know what they did? They did like my kids used to do. They would say, ah, do that again. I bet you can't do that again. Do that again. Do it again. They wanted him to do it again because they figured if they watch close enough, they'll figure out the trick. Do it again. Do it again, Jesus. Do it again. Listen, beloved. Listen. Jesus is not a trickster. Okay? Christianity is not a carnival. I know, I know, I know sometimes to the world it seems that way. It seems that way to me sometimes. Sometimes we act like clowns. And sometimes people see us on TV performing tricks. And unfortunately, beloved, you can go in the church this morning and you'll go there and in many places you're going to get a dog and pony show. Dancing pigs and barking sea lions. And regardless of how bad, how bad sometimes we make our Lord look, Jesus did not come to pull a rabbit out of his hat. That was not his agenda, beloved. He didn't come for parlor tricks. He didn't come to play games. Jesus came to tear down the kingdom of the evil one. He didn't come for our entertainment. He came to rescue. He came to save. And this should remind us this morning, beloved, that if you came here for tricks, you came to the wrong place. If, if, if you came for games, you might, you might just well just keep on looking. 
Don't pay attention to these billboards around here. We ain't here to play games. You came for tricks, beloved. You came to the wrong place. But if you came for life, if you came for Jesus, then like that speechless man, Jesus came for you. Jesus is here for you. He came to save. He came to rescue. He came to reclaim what is his. That's what those who were standing there didn't understand who wanted more tricks. But it wasn't just those who were there who wanted more tricks. It was those who were there who accused Jesus of sorcery, black magic, demonic practices. There were those there who were convinced of Jesus' power. There's no doubt there was something powerful going on here. That was self-evident. That was undeniable. Jesus had did something and had been doing things that had never been done before. This was a power that they were not familiar with. This was a power that they could not deny. And yet, because of their hatred for Jesus, rather than acknowledge Jesus for who he is, his power from God, they would rather paint him as demonic. He had power in their estimation, but it was demonic power. As it says in verse 15, but some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. In other words, he can cast out demons because he's one of them. This is the message that they wanted to spread to the populace. This is the message that they wanted others to hear. When you see Jesus, you are seeing a demon. When you hear Jesus, you are hearing the demonic. When you follow Jesus, you are under the influence of the prince of demons. Not only, they said, was the mute man possessed with a demon, but so too was Jesus. Now, beloved, listen to me. Jesus as a demon? This was not only wrong. This itself was evil. To even say such a thing is antichrist. This is the work of the enemy itself. It is an intentional lie and deception. These words that this crowd was speaking are the lies and deception and intention of the enemy himself. 
And in response to this, Jesus made it clear that his power was not from hell, his power was from heaven. That this was not the hand of Satan, but this was, as Jesus puts it, the finger of God. He didn't have demonic power. His power was divine. He was not the son of Satan. He was the son of God. And how do you know this? Because Jesus explained that Satan isn't overthrowing Satan. Don't miss that. When evil overthrows evil, they're just more evil. Because Satan isn't undermining himself. Satan is many things, beloved, but he is not stupid. He is not working against himself. That's what Jesus said. In verse 17, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Satan may cause division, beloved, but his kingdom is not divided against itself. Satan is not working against Satan. And those who don't want to credit Jesus will credit anything and everything else. That is the point of the enemy. That is his agenda. Will point you to anything and everything as long as you are not being pointed to Jesus. Doesn't care who gets the credit for what is happening in your life as long as it is not Jesus. Doesn't care how successful, doesn't care how great, as long as Jesus doesn't get the credit. But those who know, beloved, they know. Those who understand, they understand. Those who see, they see. And those who hear, they hear that there is no power like the power of Jesus. And there is no mistaking the power of Jesus. There really is no mistaking it, beloved. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, there is no mistake in it. Satan brings darkness, Jesus gives light. Satan blinds, Jesus opens eyes. Satan binds, Jesus sets free. Satan kills, Jesus brings life. Satan hurts, Jesus heals. Satan weakens, Jesus gives strength. Satan makes bitter. Jesus makes better. That's how you know. Satan makes bitter. Jesus makes better. That's the power of Jesus. 
That's his power. He makes it better. He makes life better. You don't know that? Ask those who was at the wedding in Cana when the wine ran out. Jesus came and he made it better. Ask, ask the man who was born blind. And when Jesus came along, Jesus made it better. Ask the thief on the cross who was going to his eternal damnation until he looked up and saw Jesus. And Jesus made it better. That's what Jesus does. Ask anyone who once was lost. Ask me. Ask anyone who once was lost. When Jesus came, what did he do? He made it better. Because that's what he does. Jesus makes it better. Better life, better love, better hope, better help. Jesus makes it better. That's how you know it's him. He makes it better. He makes it better because he not only has that power to do it, because he is that person. He is him. He is that right person. And Jesus not only told them that he had the right power. He said, this ain't the power of the devil. This is the finger of God. I'm making things better. He not only told him he had the right power, but he also told him, rest assured that I am that dude. I am that dude. I'm him. That's what he said. Verses 21 and 22. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Now you meditate on that for a minute. Jesus seems here to give credit to Satan for being a strong man. He gives credit to him for being a strong man. He says that his kingdom is well established. He gave credit to Satan for having a palace. He has established a kingdom and he gives him credit for being fully armed. Fully armed, a mighty arsenal, a great army. And not only does it have this palace that is well guarded, he has this army, he has this mighty arsenal, he has many spoils and plunder of war. He has taken much captive. His coffers are full. He has plenty of riches. He has plenty of goods. And he has them safely guarded and protected that none would dare even challenge his fortress. Satan is a significant world power, beloved. The most powerful, 
the most powerful. It's what the Bible says in John chapter 12 and verse 31. He is called the ruler of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, he is called the God of this age. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, he commands spiritual forces and cosmic powers. Do you see that? The ruler of this world, the God of this age, one who commands spiritual forces and cosmic powers. Don't be fooled. Satan is strong. He took down Adam and Eve. He is strong. He took down Noah. He is strong, beloved. He took down Samson. He took down David. He took down Solomon. Satan is strong. But don't finish reading what Jesus says, where he declared, but there is one even stronger. Jesus declared that there is one even stronger, beloved. That there is a stronger man. Now listen to this. The Bible points to the strength of Satan, not to make much of Satan, but to make much of Jesus. For as strong as Satan is, Jesus is stronger. This is the point. However mighty and powerful the kingdom of Satan is, the kingdom of God is stronger still. Jesus is stronger. Somebody say stronger. 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 I'm a boxing fan. I'm a boxing fan. And when you discuss who is the best fighter, the first thing you ask is, who did he fight? That's how you're going to measure how great he is. You're going to ask, who did he fight? Your greatness is measured in the greatness of your opponent. Moses was great because he took down Pharaoh. David was great because he took down Goliath. Daniel was great because he withstood the lions. But Jesus, beloved, but Jesus, but Jesus, he took on the and defeated the greatest enemy of all, sin, death, and the devil. When they sit around in heaven and talk about, well, who did you fight? Who did you fight? And David said, well, I got out there with Goliath. I said, okay, well, who did you fight? Well, David said, well, you know, I withstood those lions. Yeah, but who did you fight? And then they look at Jesus and said, Jesus, who did you fight? He said, I took them all on. I beat them all. I beat them all because I was there. When David threw the rock, I was the power behind it. I was there. When Daniel was still at the lions, I was there and shut the lion's mouth. When Moses stood before Pharaoh, I was the power that got them over the Red Sea. I was there because I defeated them all. 
because I took down the main one. I took down the strong one. Jesus is stronger. Beloved, listen. The greatness of grace is due to the greatness of sin. When you, when you diminish the greatness of your sin, you, you diminish the greatness of God's grace because the greatness is measured in the greatness of the opponent. And grace is great because sin is great. Mercy is great because our misery is great. Jesus is great because our enemy is great. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger. He is stronger than the strong man because you know what, beloved? He didn't just defeat the strong man. He let everybody know what he did. He drug him out into the street. He drug him out in the street for everyone to see. That's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15. That Christ having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them on the, triumphing over them by the cross. That's what Jesus did, beloved. Made a public open display of his victory over the enemy. And because of that, beloved, Satan knows what time it is. Satan knows what time it is. Even if those in his kingdom don't know what time it is, Satan knows what time it is. Satan knows that he has been plundered and is being plundered every day. Satan knows that his kingdom is shrinking because the kingdom of God is growing. Satan knows that his time is coming up. He knows that, and we must remember that too, beloved. Every day, every day. No matter how it looks, no matter how hard or difficult it gets. Remember, Satan's time is coming, and he knows it. He knows it, and you have no reason to fear. You have no reason to fear, because he's a defeated one already. The strong man has already had his kingdom plundered. When I was a, when I was a boy, my favorite cartoon was Underdog. <laughs> Brother Murph, I know. They don't know Underdog. And Polly. Oh, where, oh, where has my Underdog gone? Oh, where, oh, where can he be? And then Underdog would come, and Underdog would say, Have no fear! Underdog is here. Have no fear. Underdog is here. Listen, beloved, when it comes to Satan, don't get me wrong, Jesus ain't no underdog. Jesus is not an underdog, and yet still we need to understand that our Lord and champion is here, and we have no need to fear. No need to fear. Our Lord and champion is here. Satan may be strong. But Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger. That's what the old Robert singers used to sing. Every Sunday morning in our house, 
we get up and turn on TV, and you hear the old Robert Sayers singing, he's greater. He's greater. He's greater than the wisest man. He's greater, greater than the power of sin. He's, he's greater, greater than the gates of hell. He's greater, greater than any tongue can tell. He's greater, greater than the richest king. He's greater, greater than anything. He's greater, greater. He is greater, greater. Why? Because the Bible reminds us in 1 John 4 and 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. God is greater. Jesus is stronger. Somebody say stronger. Let's pray.